This is a Rooster Teeth production. When you bring a toy into your home, it's supposed to bring comfort and joy. But in 1970, when a young nurse received a Raggedy Ann doll, she and her roommate began having terrifying experiences. Today, we're going to tell the story behind the infamous Annabelle doll. This is Red Web. Welcome on in. It's another Monday, so that means Red Web is covering yet another unsolved mystery today. A little bit different with the story behind the Annabelle doll. Many people know about this doll because of the Conjuring series, the film franchise. I think Annabelle has had its own trilogy. So if you're new to Red Web, welcome. We discuss cryptids, paranormals, true crime, unsolved mysteries, all sorts of good stuff. I'm your host, Trevor Collins, and with me, bringing his gut instinct and his live reactions, Alfredo Diaz. Like, who's ever prepared for that, right? A Raggedy Ann doll popping off? Raggedy Ann doll, yeah, just popping off with all these, like, ghoulish things and evil, (laughs) like, dementors coming out, sucking your soul. Dude. Like, I just... Is nothing sacred? Is nothing safe anymore? Right. right? It's just a, a polite little doll. That's the thing. Uh, let's just address the elephant in the room here. Haunted dolls are deeply disturbing and very eerie. And there are so many around the world. We're going to start out with Annabelle. And if you guys enjoy this, we have an outline prepared around many other haunted dolls that this <laughs> that this world suddenly contains. If you want some of those. We'll definitely dive into those. But I do want to say this episode will be a little bit different than some of our normal episodes. There's not really a theory behind this one. This is simply discussing the pretty vivid story that is the backstory of Annabelle and why it's so big now and and so at the forefront of pop culture. So we'll go through all of that and we'll discuss along the way. But I know you have been a fan of the Conjuring franchise since the beginning, yeah? Yeah. So you're um, aware of this doll? The missus is a big horror fan, so I've been forced to watch all the movies, um, horror movies. Then there's a... Some ma- of the best, majority, in my opinion. absolutely terrible, like, yes. of horror movies, but The Conjuring is some of the the best, yeah. uh, to be honest. And, you know, they have their spinoffs, which are okay. Mm-hmm. There's the Annabelle trilogy whatnot. But, yeah, I know The Conjuring series has been really good. Um, I even... Um, was able to interview Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga for The Conjuring oh, 3. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. That's so cool. Yeah, so that was, was that podcast? That was... Uh, it was on HBO It was like Max, the right? official Warner Brothers podcast. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, with uh, Elise Williams and Blaine Gibson, I was able, uh, we were able to interview them. And it was like official, like they had like their their back, like, you know, their back, like yeah. Apple white background yeah. sitting in their chairs. Very wonderful people um, mm-hmm. while we were setting up, spent time just chatting with us, you know, and, and hanging out. And they were just fantastic to work with. Meanwhile, as part of that same thing, you mentioned Blaine, but then also my girlfriend, Barbara Dunkelman. Mm-hmm. The two of them went over to they did. the Warren's Museum, which we're going to talk yes. about here in a bit. And they uh, saw. To see. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. But, you know, yeah. this is, uh, you know, a movie podcast about mysteries. It is. Don't want to mess it up. But let's dive into it. Let's talk about Annabelle and the story, starting with the origin. And as we begin, I want to say the Annabelle story is infamous, of course, because of the Conjuring franchise and everything like that, but also because of the many stories that have come out of the Warrens' home itself and the museum that they have on their property. 
That said, this case was documented specifically by the Warrens. We're going to talk about their involvement later, but that is how this story mostly passes down to us. And then some word of mouth as well. And they investigated and claimed the doll back in 1970, so it may be worth taking this tale with a grain of salt. Let's begin. In 1970, a young nurse named Donna was gifted the Annabelle doll for her 28th birthday by her mother. Her mother bought a Raggedy Ann doll from a second-hand store. I have a photo of that as it sits now in the Warren's uh, case that yep. they got it in. Um, you know, you the, the movies are fairly accurate. You know, they in the movies, they had the Warrens had that room with mm-hmm. all the cursed items and right. whatnot. And the they possessed had a, trinkets Yeah, and they and had things. like a priest come and like bless it yep. weekly. That all happened There's in real no life. way in hell I would ever have that in my house. No way. I think it was How? actually in a shed kind of in, mm-hmm. a, in a standalone building off it, to the side. It was. Yeah. Like I think they're moving the it now. real that's what I've heard as well. But the, something's gonna yeah, get yeah. In real life, it was in a shed, but in the movie, there was like in a locked room. Right. In it was their just house. in like some bedroom. But yeah, no, it's just in a wooden case. It's sealed off. It's a warning. Positively, do not. Uh, I think the warning's cut off, but essentially, it's like do yeah. not interact with, don't speak to, and certainly right. don't open. Um, it looks like there's a tarot card. I would. Like I would not be surprised. Devil sitting on a chair that's like right above the handle where you open it. Yeah, Which, like a reminder. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, Task yeah. Force. If you're listening at home and you want to see what this visual looks like, as always, check us out on social at Red Web Pod. We'll post that photo for you. What would it take for you to have that a room, that room in your house? Like, would it take consistent a, a ticket house, sales? Consistent ticket sales? <laughs> no, would, I. I don't know, man. I just nothing i wouldn't do it that's not me not, <laughs> i'm just not gonna do it uh and as we explore this story maybe you'll get a better idea why i'm just not gonna i'm just do not it. gonna do it <laughs> not, you, it's for like a hundred episodes this man's entertained all the questions this one is like no he's no. finally come to his senses. yeah he's like nah hell no when it comes to the dolls i guess that's where my line is drawn <laughs> yeah, yeah all right so donna got this gift from her mom on her 28th birthday she took the doll back home to her apartment which she shared with yet another nurse named Angie. And she placed the doll on the couch, kind of like a decorative piece, also kind of a nod to her mom, just a reminder of her family there. Now, despite Donna placing this Annabelle doll on the couch, the nurses began finding the Annabelle doll misplaced all around the apartment. Neither of them would know if each other were messing with each other or if this thing was just moving on its own, but either way, it was moving around the place. It started with small movements, like Annabelle being on the floor by the couch instead of on the couch, But over time, their experiences became much creepier and quite unsettling in nature. For example, the women found her on the couch after placing her on Donna's bed. And so then once they moved her back to the bed and re-entered the living room, immediately they found that the doll had appeared outside of Angie's bedroom door. So even when they're paying attention to the movements, they started to get more in your face. Like this thing is kind of teleporting around, essentially. I guess like that's a question that I have that we'll just never know is was it teleporting around or was it just like floating was it being just dragged you know what i mean that's just something we'll never know yeah it's like how is it moving from one place to the other is it just look like it's like you know laying down on its face or back and one arm or one limb is just being dragged like right like 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 an entity's pulling right or is it under its own will right i've always wondered that when i've watched or heard stories about this or movies like this what does that item itself look like Right, when it's being moved. Yeah. 
Maybe it's like know. a it's so crazy tree just... in the forest doesn't make a sound kind of thing. I don't know. Crazy to think about. So beyond this, though, it's simply moving around. You could kind of just think, well, maybe that's just my roommate. But this is where things started to get a little bit more interesting. The women also started finding notes around the apartment with phrases like help us and help Lou, L-O-U, written on parchment paper in a childlike handwriting. Lou was a friend of theirs who would come by periodically. He's going to come into the story here in just a moment and I'll outline his experience, but for now, notes that say help us and help Lou. Donna and Angie, it's worth mentioning, did not keep any parchment paper in their apartment, so they were uncertain where these notes were even coming from. And the way I heard it as well was that these notes were written on the walls, written on the floors. Essentially, they'd come back home to their apartment to find these notes everywhere. I ain't messing with the deposit. That's true. The apartment. Come That's on. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll say this right now. If you guys were to pass away and come back as a ghost or something like that, don't write me a letter. <laughs> just don't. Because I, I ain't going to mess with you. I you just don't want not. me scribbling on your walls? If, if, you're, if you're like... Help I'm me, coming for that deposit. Trevor, and I'm just like, nah, man, I can't trust that. Sorry. Sorry, dog. I'm just like, <laughs> sorry, man. Can't, I can't do you no know like, help. Like, hell no. Nah, you some demon. You're what? not Trevor. You're not my boy. Hey, listen, like, I'm not going to take it any kind of way. That is right. good instinct. That's a, Look, man, I just, it is what it is. Don't write me a no in the afterlife. I ain't going to answer it. Right. <laughs> just, that, that is, that, again, demon task force, you. I'm looking you dead in the ears right now. <laughs> with my voice it's an audio <laughs> podcast fredo is some sort of psychic future seer soothsayer i'm telling you your gut instincts are always like right on the note that we're gonna we're gonna come to the floating doll we're gonna come to the the idea of a demon using a name like this is all these are all like Chekhov's guns that we're gonna you know we're gonna tap into later so pin that thought now after all these notes and, and the situation started to escalate one of the scariest occurrences was actually when Donna came home from work one day and found the doll on her bed with blood on her hands. She had no idea where this blood came from, and she didn't believe that the blood was coming from anywhere else but the doll itself, almost as if it was emanating from within the doll. And at this point, of course, Donna's like, all right, we need to call a medium in order to investigate the nature of this doll. So they reached out to a local medium. The medium came over. They held a seance in their apartment where she, the medium, contacted the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. This is where the name of the doll comes from, because up to this point, didn't really have a name. Supposedly, as the story goes, Annabelle was a seven-year-old girl who had passed away in the field of that property where the apartment was now built. Oh, see, that's that's the scary part. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's just so unfortunate, because you live there, and then I guess this was just an interesting vessel for a, a ghostly ghoulish girl to right. like take over supposedly you know we'll, we'll get into what the uh oh man this unfolds so interestingly like yeah. it just escalates this I mean, whole who, time who's to say i don't just bring home some damn dog toy into my house and it gets possessed because the ghost was like i like that dog toy right right it's interesting and, and it also draws into question like okay maybe it is just an innocent seven-year-old girl why would she want to be in this doll? What's keeping her to this earthly plane? And yeah. also, I don't want to forget the blood on the hands. It's true. That's not a seven-year-old's business. <laughs> no. So, Annabelle's spirit supposedly lingered on this property and liked the doll to answer our questions, so she decided to take possession of it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, now see, I would have wagered that a seven-year-old might want to play with it, hence the moving around 
But the medium, it seemed that the medium was taking the note that, no, 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 this seven-year-old spirit wanted to possess and take hold of the doll. And ultimately, uh, with all that information said, the, the medium clarified by telling the women that the Annabelle doll was not there to harm them, but rather that she just wanted to be loved, that maybe she was a lost spirit, and she grounded herself with this doll, and that was that. So this made Donna and Angie feel obviously bad for the girl, but also felt a little bit more comfort as far as like the unknown. And so in this comfort, whether it be the medium from the spirit talking to the medium, what have you, they then gave the spirit permission, dangerous game, to permanently inhabit the doll in their home. Come on, bro. Come on. All right. This isn't a cute situation. This isn't uh, I'm helping out a ghost situation. Come on, seven-year-old. This, this is... Don't be so rude. A spectral hostage situation, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. That, that's what it is, all right? You think you're safe. You're not safe. You think whatever you're doing is your own will. It's not. Yeah. It, like, you are locked in. And now you're inviting the doll. Why do you need to go that... Don't go throwing permissions out left and right, okay? We need some parental slips, at least. You don't need to give permission to anything, okay? Clap emojis. Like, you, you, <laughs> emphasis. You just, I just, like, what are... First off, yeah. like, get a second, third opinion, et right. cetera. Like, this thing is moving. You're not, do, you're not doing anything <laughs> with it. Like, 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 if you're not causing it, your roommate's not causing it, Go get multiple opinions. Right, right. Don't just go over uh, of one person's opinion and go, you know what? Let's just, it's, right. it's all. That goes for everything, it's all by the safe. way. It, yeah. it does. It's all safe. It's all good. Let's invite it. You know what? Let's just give it just whole permission. Yeah. Kick it with us <laughs> for life. That's <laughs> insane. Ugh. Yeah. I would have, I would have tried to catch that thing floating in the air and then kick that little thing out the <laughs> damn window. <laughs> just a little, just, just a little doll punt. Just right. Like, just see it. It's just like levitating yeah. through the air. And then that's where I jump out the doorway. Gotcha. And I just kick it right out the window. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, uh, this is that quintessential calm before the storm with regards to stories like this, because it's always that little lull where your guard is dropped and you let the bad ones in. So let's talk about Lou now, because Lou was a friend of Donna and Angie, and he was actually there the day that Donna brought the doll home. He had warned them on multiple occasions that he felt the doll was haunted, that there was some sort of sinister presence with the doll, and it made him deeply uncomfortable. Donna never paid much attention to his warnings until one peculiar day. Of course, if the movement and the note writing wasn't enough- And the blood! And the blood on the hands, you know, if that wasn't enough, here we are. So Lou, had been having these recurring nightmares. And one night, he was staying over at this apartment with Donna and Angie when he was awoken by one such nightmare. To him, it just felt like any given night, a string of nightmares. But this nightmare was different than others, and he woke up, looked around, yet he couldn't move. This, to me, sounds very akin to sleep paralysis, a scenario in which one's mind is conscious, However, they are unable to move their body. I have sleep paralysis. It's you do? terrible. Yeah. So like the, so what happens is I'll be sleeping. Mm -hmm. I'll wake up in a panic, yeah. just in an absolute panic. And I cannot, for the love of me, move any part of my body. The only thing that moves is my eyes. Right. And I, I can't so you can move. look around. I can look around. Reach I'm or panicking. walk or sit up. And then when I also have my sleep paralysis, like I have a hard time breathing. Well, let me pause you there 
because I want to dive into something and we're going to loop right yeah. back to that. So let me leave you on a cliffhanger for just a second because I want to come back to Lou's yeah. experience. So Lou woke up, looked around, couldn't move. When he looked down at his feet and he looked down around the room, he was terrified to find Annabelle standing at his feet. No! <laughs> now, he claimed the doll moved up his leg to his chest and then began strangling him and the doll suffocated him. He, Fredo's okay. rolling around the okay. room now. Right, the doll cool. suffocated him so hard that he blacked out. Now, I want to hear you continue to your story because this, what you're describing is very synonymous with sleep paralysis and... I can give you the clinical uh, symptoms, but I want to hear oh, be, straight from you. Yeah, I mean, so you, tell I, me about it. Every time Hard I wake up in a panic, I'm I'm barely able to breathe. I, it's it's to the point where I just tell I tell Jackie the missus. I'm just like, you know, I what I try to do is I wake up, can't move, can't hard to breathe, and I just try and force as much air in and out of my mouth as possible to make noise so she can shake me. Right, right. So I'm just like. <laughs> Right. It's like that. Oh, it's man, literally just like that. That'd be and so like heart-wrenching. Minutes. I, I can't when I hear that. move as I'm panicking because that's just the state I woke up in. Oh, it is man. terrible. How often do you get it? Maybe twice a year. So I don't oh, get it okay. as often as some people too bad, as some people dang. do, but I I do I do get it. Um yeah. And to piggyback off this, I, I've told this story before. I don't know if it was on this podcast or off topic, but there was one point I woke up in a panic and I saw like a demon holding me down. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked about this before, but I grabbed the demon, <laughs> showed it up <laughs> against the wall and I was about to that. just like just right, punch right. the demon right in the face. And then it, it morphed in front of my eyes and it was my brother. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's me. It's oh, me. It's me. It's me. It's me. And it was my brother. It was my brother. And so I was like, Jesus, holy Damn, hell, dude. I almost just started laying into you. That's I, dude, terrible. It was, it's the, it was the weirdest experience. Have you ever, when, when you get sleep paralysis, because I also get it all the time. Oh I get it. God, you guys, I'm so <laughs> sorry. This sounds terrible. This sounds terrible. I could be over here willy-nilly like, yeah, I'll play with the haunted dog. No wonder. You guys have like these very vivid experiences. <laughs> it's no bueno, man. No, it's not good. It's Christian, not what? Tell, yeah, what's yeah. up? Do you ever get auditory hallucinations, or do you only see stuff? My God, because I've I've had both. Once where I, I wake up and see something, and then I've had it where I wake up and I'm just hearing stuff. I've never experienced hearing something, which is absolutely really? insane. What do you hear? The the one time I remember, I was at uh, this is crazy. Was, it's so crazy. I was staying at my mom's for the weekend, and I'm laying in bed, and I wake up, and it's like daytime. You know, everything it seems normal. Right. And she's like knocking on the door, and she's like, "Oh, it's it's time to wake up. It's time to go to school." And I was like, "Okay." And then like before I could move, I was like, "Wait, I'm a grown ass man. I'm not in school anymore." Right. <laughs> and I called. I was like, "I'm not. I'm not going to school today." And she goes, "Oh no. I mean, uh, it's not school. It's uh, it's your birthday." <gasps> oh went, hell no! You just no. gave me so much shivers <laughs> right down no. the back of my neck. Oh, that's yeah. That's a demon trying to trick you. Yeah, yeah. it was just like she like the voice just kept like trying to get me to get up and leave yeah. the room. And every time I was like poking a hole, like it's not my birthday today. It's oh, not, God. I'm not in school. And it was just it was it no, was so never had, I hated. It. I mean, that's bad, man. I must say I've never had anything that extreme. But then again, like waking up almost punching my brother is kind of extreme. That's pretty extreme. Yeah, the, 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 way, <laughs> the way that the, truly scary. The way like, the demon like I saw the demon in my face and it was like it is it was very accurate too. And this was this was happening. This happened before Batman Begins, but when this in the movie when the Scarecrow douses right, Christopher himself, Nolan? yeah, Christopher uh, yeah, yeah, Nolan's yeah. Batman Begins, when the Scarecrow douses himself and he yeah. sees Batman just kind of like dripping, and right, kinda, with the, it, the black ooze it, out of the mouth, yeah, and like, it was in the camera shaking. It was very similar to that scene. Like, that's when wild. I woke up, but that was 
seven years, five years before that movie came out. And I saw that scene, I went, oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's real, I've seen this. Um, or did you reach out to your brother and say, you made it big. <laughs> yeah, it's you. It's you. Um, Dude, that's, yeah, oh, that's yeah, terrible. That's experience. Okay, well, I didn't want to leave you hanging on that for too long, but the reason why I wanted to pin that for just a second, and not really to throw Lou's story out regarding Annabelle, but that's kind of what we do here is we just, we try to dissect the stories that we're given. We try to theorize. Mm -hmm. And this one, like I said, is a little bit different. And this was so uncanny to not only your story that I was lightly familiar with, but also just sleep paralysis in general. Many people that experienced this, and I have this all written down in my notes prior to hearing what you had to say, are like, it's, it's very common to hear seeing demons, seeing ghostly figures, and very, very commonly, many people experience pressure on their chest and it feels like a choking sensation. It's actually one of the origins for the succubus and incubus legend, right? Oh, the demon that, you know... That's fascinating. You know, I, I won't go into it, but, but basically, like, reading Lou's experience felt so in line with what the sleep paralysis is. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you're of a more open mind and like believe some more of these mm -hmm. paranormal stories, it could be that whatever entity is going on with this Annabelle doll was kind of initiating some sort of sleep paralysis in order True. to kind of hide its tracks. And so that way the broader world, because that's the thing is a demon, if it's trying to possess you, wants to isolate you. And so when you try to get help, everyone goes, it's nothing, or maybe it's just sleep paralysis. So Anyway, yeah. it was just a thought I had where it's on one hand you have a very pragmatic solution, on the other hand, you can you can kind of oh, uh, see that that I mean that's, side that's rough because this is something that I experience in, on a yearly basis, and, yeah, and yeah. so uh, like putting myself in that situation, it could have very well have been sleep paralysis, right, right. But it does I, not I just, it does not remove the fear of such a situation. No, I, not at all. I've, I've gratefully never had it. Mm -hmm. I'll be real. I have tried to initiate it in my youth when I was trying to lucid dream. Mm -hmm. There are many ways to go about doing that. And I was successful in other ways. Very fun. But yeah, the idea of not being able to move is, is terrifying yeah. to me. Uh, I mean, a couple couple notes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Lou, what are you doing? Question one. Come like, on. Like, what? Because you sent something bad. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you, and, and I'm sure at this point he's heard about all the things that have happened. Uh, I believe so. It's it's hard. So this is where the story gets a little hairy. I yeah. admit it's it's hard These to know. These are the know, intricate details. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to know Lou's full involvement mm -hmm. outside of the fact that he was staying over for these couple of nights. Okay, and he was there at the beginning, and so I would imagine him being a close friend that he would know about these things. Exactly. But even from day one, he was talking shade about that dog. Right. So. Well, you, see, you feel something weird, something fishy. I'm sure that's not something that happens often. So right. if that's sign number one, like don't stay over. If that was just, if he had no idea about all the other stuff. Lane number two, he had the feeling, he's heard about all this stuff and still decides to sleep over. Mm -hmm. Like, I look, if you're gonna put your head in a bear's mouth, I, like what are, you gonna, right. what are you expecting here? Like. And also, kind of funny to think of the small raggedy ant dolls hanging on <laughs> someone's neck. But, That's true. But it did make me think, like, what would, what would it feel like if you're in that position, right? Instead of, it might, visually, you might see the small, this, like, the hands, there's, there's no fingers, right? It's just Right, round. it's just little nubs. It's just little round nubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. here you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you that photo again. And so, yeah, it's like a it's like a mitten. Yeah. It looks like a mitten. So so think of the mitten visually going up against your neck, but what if you actually Adorable. felt hands? 
Ooh. You know what I mean? Oh, I hate that. Because it's, you know, it's the right. extension of the demon. That, yeah, I was like. Entirely possible. Yeah, it could be possible. That, that that would be the weirdest experience. Yeah. To have this doll choking you and then actually feeling fingers in hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, spooky encounter, but that was from spending the night. That's part, only part of Lou's encounter. Let's keep going here. So when he woke up the next morning, he was certain, obviously from his experience, that the doll was haunted and he wanted nothing more than for Donna to get rid of it. And I hope I'm not conflating the story with the movies, but I believe that what happened at this point is that he encouraged Donna to take the doll out back and throw it in the dumpster, essentially ridding them of it. Either way, the doll ended up back in the apartment. Right. I mean, good try. You right. know, that's that's like too little too that's, late. that's the first attempt. Right. Well whether whether like it was it was early on or later on, yeah. that's the first thing. You just chuck the thing away. Right. Unfortunately for Lou, he didn't know that they had given this thing it's full permission. So stupid. Carte blanche on their house. Like at, at that point too, like you throw it away, it comes back in. I mean, go on the holiest of days. Oh yeah. Run into a church and dunk that sucker into the <laughs> damn like, right. like holy water. I'm telling you, man, he's reading my notes ahead of time. We're going to like get there. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, that's part of this story, man. All right. Okay. So, so Lou wakes up that morning. He's obviously distraught and whether or not they got rid of it, the doll ended up back in the apartment. So later that morning, and I believe this is why he was spending the night, the three of them were preparing a road trip and they were just silently reading the maps in order to determine the route. And Lou began to hear activity coming from Donna's bedroom. She wasn't home, by the way. So actually it was the, it was the two, Angie and, and Lou, kind of preparing for the road trip while Donna was out for whatever reason. So he's like, all right, there's some sound coming from her room. Let me just go check that out. When he opens the room and he enters, he looks for any sign of forced entry or any evidence that somebody else was there obviously finds nothing, but when he looks at the ground, he finds the Annabelle doll is laying face down on the floor. At that very moment, he grew the sensation that somebody or something was right behind him, and out of like a defensive reaction, he spins around, and when he turns around, no one was there. So in a quick moment of relief, he kind of breathes a sigh of relief, and then immediately feels a sharp pain on his chest. And when he looks down, I mean, he probably has to open his shirt or whatever, but when, when he looks down at his own chest, he found what he described as a bloody claw mark that he was sure came from whatever entity was messing with the Annabelle doll because there was no one else around, no one else nearby. And those scratches actually disappeared two days later with no scar, no trace. What year was this? This was 1970. Mm. He could have. What do you think? What do you think? It's like it? photo. Oh, photo. if he like took evidence of it. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that in the notes, I would love to see that. Right. Tangible evidence. Right. You know? We're just like, hey, do you suppose? I mean, obviously, we're, we're, and we discussed about it a lot where you could show me the photo and be like, uh, well, right. I guess it's that's kind of really early on. So, like, Photoshop is not widely accessible or it wasn't, Photoshop wasn't was, a thing. It wasn't at a that thing, time. but photo manipulation. It, so, Photoshop is essentially a digital version of what they used to do, which is yeah. like cut things out and smear things off and mm -hmm. smudge and dodge and all that stuff. So, you could manipulate photos. But we don't have any photos to look at. Yeah, at, no, for so, sure. It know. would just feel like such a harder technique to pull off. Right. right? You don't have the Absolutely. internet to just be like, how do you like manipulate this photo? Right. I mean, there's even free versions of Photoshop now just yeah. on a dot com. You can upload yeah. a photo and suddenly remove a building out of the skyline and be like, <laughs> yeah. and, you know. So now we've got 
two completely different stories, essentially. I mean, now that there's a conflict between what the medium was saying earlier, that this was just a young spirit looking for friendship or what have you, and then what Lou is experiencing, which is clearly much more violent and much more spooky, Donna and Angie decided to enlist the help of a priest, because now they got to take it to the next level. So this is where, actually, Ed and Lorraine Warren come into the picture. Oh, that's awesome. Secondly, mm -hmm. this medium really screwed them over. Oh, yeah. Like, not it intentionally. specifically led them down this path, yeah. if you, if you like, want to take it that there, way. There is a possibility that this could have been completely avoided. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure not as easy as just, like, ignoring it. But still, this medium made things so much worse. So much oh, worse. Oh, yeah. Literally led them down the path of, hey, trust the thing. And, and invite it. Invite it in. Right. That's mm -mm. it. Bad news. Hey, everybody. It's Christian here. Just wanting to jump in and talk to you for a hot minute. Take care of some orders of business. Then we'll get right back into the mystery. First off, just want to let you all know that we are, of course, continuing our pin of the month club. If you don't know what that is, the first Monday of every month, we're planning on dropping a brand new pin for you to add to your collection. And today is that first Monday. Today, September 5th, we're dropping a Cryptid Files pin and a Cryptid Files t-shirt. Both of those, you can go to store.roosterteeth.com and grab something. Let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what kind of pins you'd like to see in the future. I don't want to tease too much about next month's pin, but... May have a little uh, little bit of some squonky action going on next month, so you're not going to want to miss that. And for those of you who don't know, I know Trevor talked to you about it in this little break last week, but we'll be talking about it in more detail on next week's episode. But we are launching a brand new YouTube video show for Red Web. It's called Red Web Case Files. It's going to be eight episodes this season. We'll be doing it in seasons. Each episode is going to be nice and quick, about 10, maybe 15 minutes looking at a variety of different topics to cover, such as fan theories from previous mysteries, or looking at more outrageous things like what Bigfoot would smell like or what the best way to capture him would be. These are all just ideas we're spitballing, and we're going to have something new and fun for you every single week. So go to youtube.com slash redwebpod and subscribe. We'll be dropping that show later this month in September. It's going to be very fun. We're very excited to launch a new Red Web show, something in addition to the podcast. And yes, rest assured, the podcast will continue as normal. This will not be any sort of disruption, purely in addition. Hope you all enjoy. Please let us know what you think. Send some suggestions our way too. Though without further ado, let's hear from our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. If you're looking to save money, one way to do that is with HelloFresh. It's 25% less expensive than takeout and even cheaper than grocery shopping too. HelloFresh saves you money and time by sending you delicious recipes with everything you need to make them, including fresh, pre-portioned ingredients. They've got a weekly selection of over 30 recipes and 70 convenience items, and you never have to go to the grocery store. Plus, HelloFresh is always adding new items to the menu. Whether it's family-friendly, fit and wholesome, or even veggie recipes, there's something for everyone. HelloFresh is flexible, so you can change your meal preferences and update your delivery day super easily. I've had HelloFresh before. They make some incredible food. I had some very, very tasty pork tacos that I would love to get again one day. And for those of you who, like me, try to be more conscious of your calories and your macros, my favorite thing is that HelloFresh recipes include that information for you when you look at each recipe. So you can count those macros, count those calories, keep track of them. It's great. Go to HelloFresh.com redweb16 
and use code REDWEB16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. That's 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts when you go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb16 and use code RedWeb16. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by Surfshark. Websites, hackers, and third-party companies all monitor your online behavior. Even your internet service provider can monitor and sell your online behavior to other third parties. In short, you explore and do your thing online, and they can profit off of it unless you have a VPN. This easy to use product can help you prevent all of what I just said. It masks your location and makes it more difficult to distinguish you from a crowd of users. And if you'd like even more security, Surfshark has your back. They have an awesome product called Surfshark Alert, which alerts you every time your personal data has been leaked online. And Surfshark Search, which you can use as a search engine without any tracking or targeted ads. Try Surfshark risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals/redweb. Enter promo code REDWEB for 83% off and 3 extra months free. That's surfshark.deals/redweb. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by DraftKings. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code REDWEB to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code REDWEB, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And without further ado, let us dive back into the whirlwind story of Annabelle the Doll. Please enjoy. So let's talk about how the Warrens into the picture, because clearly at this point, Donna is finally believing what Lou had been saying all along, because his experience was so vivid in such a short period of time. So Donna then called an Episcopal priest known as Father Hegan, who then contacted his superior based on the nature of the story. This was his superior at the same church, and he was named Father Cook. This person then contacted the paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the couple, the paranormal investigators that you're you're probably well-versed in because of the Conjuring franchise, the Annabelle trilogy, etc. A lot of differing opinions out there on their entire livelihood. Oh, yeah. I will just say that out front. Like, mm-hmm. some people deeply believe in what they were doing, and others heavily criticize what they were doing as being a little bit almost dangerous in that it was enabling some problematic beliefs and that these were actually pragmatic situations like that could have just been normalized instead of heightened yeah. due to paranormal reasons. But that's not, we're, we're not here to dissect that part of the angle, but I did want to mention that for, for anybody listening at home. So Ed and Lorraine Warren had a very deep interest in the supernatural and they founded the group NESPR, N-E-S-P-R, the New England Society of Psychic Research. So Lorraine herself claimed to be clairvoyant and they were among the first paranormal investigators to visit such famous places as the site of the Amityville haunting. 
that home that is well known and also obviously just another movie now, the Amityville Horror. But holy crap, can I just sidebar for a second? There is a photo from that place. People just being in it. It's a timely photo because it's like a black and white thing, normal exposure sort of situation. And vividly, and I'm like, I scrutinize ghost photos very heavily. But this one was so vivid that in the background, there's a door cracked open. I can't, I almost like can't even look at this photo at night because of how vivid it is. And it's like a young boy's face at a at like three to four feet off the floor. So proper height. And it's so vivid that like, and you can tell the flashes on because his eyes are like doing the red light thing. Yeah. They're kind of glowy. Christian, do you mind pulling that up so oh, I can show yeah, Fredo? I have it. Yeah. Here, yeah. Show it we'll, oh, we'll post one. this just for the Great. sake of task force yeah. that are curious Wonderful. as well. But I just, this is one of my favorite eerie photos. So I just, I just wanted to share this for a second. That reminds me of the Netflix show. Was it oh, haunting, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I saw it again. It just freaks me out, dude. Haunting oh, a Hill House. Dude. Oh, oh, it's so vivid. It's like a young boy leaning out the door to look around the banister for the stairwell. And the person that took the photo was adamant that they were the only ones in the house, that they didn't see anything. Also, it's just like... And it looks like one of the, the victims. You don't just have little boys just kind of just running into people's houses, sneaking around, snooping around. Whew, that's, oh man, it's unsettling. It's so, it's so like, like as you said, vivid. It's, it's almost just like, that's just a photo of a boy. It really, it really does just look like a, a high contrast old school photo. But yeah. Anyway, back to Ed and Lorraine here. So after their first conversation with Donna, Angie, and Lou, they were certain that this doll was not just the young girl spirit that they had been led to believe that was desperate for love, oh no, 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 but actually an inhuman presence attaching itself to a tangible object. The Warrens explained that the human spirits of this world don't attach themselves to inanimate objects. So this was not something that, so basically out of the gate, they knew this wasn't going to be human. Just a matter of what it actually was. Essentially, the way they described this after hearing the story was that this was an inhuman spirit manipulating the doll, kind of coming back to what you were thinking and asking about, manipulating the doll in a way to make it look like the doll itself was alive in order to get their attention. So maybe if, in theory, you were to see it moving, it wouldn't look like it's just being dragged around, but instead looking like it's alive because whatever spirit is trying to trick them, essentially. Like, oh no, it's just an innocent... Uh, little girl spirit and a doll. But moving on from that, once this entity had their attention and then used the medium in order to communicate with them, the spirit was able to make them feel bad for basically it being an innocent spirit. Then it got their permission and permanent access to their home and to this doll, essentially in order to haunt them and to continue the stages of possession as the Warrens kind of put it. And we'll talk about those stages in just a moment. But the Warrens claimed that the spirit was actually looking for a human host, but because it wasn't successful in that venture, it settled in the doll during the infestation of its possession. Where's your mind at? I'm just, I would not be equipped any which way, no how mm -hmm. to deal with that. You know what I mean? Oh God, no. Like, how would you even react? I, I, I move, but at this point, you know, the word, the word on the paranormal streets is that it follows you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't know. I I would feel helpless. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely Completely helpless. That's the thing is like it's meant to isolate you. And I mean, not to continue leaning on 
film and pop culture, but even Paranormal Activity. Finally a movie, it was like, oh yes, they're going to leave, they're going to move somewhere else, they're going to go somewhere temporarily. Oh, that's right. They tried that, and it didn't work. Yeah. At least, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't in the first one, but in, a, in another one, they definitely right, tried to yeah. leave, and it followed. So, with that said, let's talk about the four stages of possession as defined by Ed and Lorraine Warren. We talked about this entity settling for the doll in the infestation phase, and that is actually the first phase. Infestations affect simply property, objects, or animals, and it is recognizable by a few different things, such as footsteps, voices, apparitions, furniture, or other objects moving without human agency. Sometimes you can smell odors without any discernible source. We had something like that recently in the Black Forest of Colorado That's episode. Right. There, yeah. That, by the way, in retrospect, reminded me, I keep dropping movie names, but reminded me so much <laughs> of Evil Dead. A cabin in the woods. True. Haunted by they were sinister just missing deeds. missing a book. Right, yeah. But the next phase of possession is called oppression. And this is kind of how they describe it. Oppression takes form in more physical attacks, such as sleep disturbances, like recurring nightmares, frequent and severe illnesses, major depression or anxiety, and then even as far as severe financial or employment problems, and sometimes relationship troubles. You know, something that strains the, the bond between two individuals can be that that lack of belief yeah, or, or feeling like your partner wants to help but can't in whatever it is that you're going through. But then the third phase is obsession. So it sounds like, you know, Lou was experiencing some of those oppression level stages. But then obsession, at this point, the person being possessed has a hard time functioning, being constantly preoccupied with thoughts of demonic activity or, trigger warning here, suicide. Sleep becomes nearly impossible at this stage. And that leads then to the final of four stages, simply possession. A full possession is not actually a spirit taking full control and complete power over one's body or soul, but rather breaking that person down over time, over the span of those first three stages, to the point where their willpower is weak enough that they can be controlled in maybe small bursts or something of that nature. And you can recognize this phase when someone gains things like superhuman strength or beginning to speak a language that others or that they originally wouldn't know mm -hmm. like a dead language like latin even or speaking backwards sometimes there's inordinate aversion to holy objects like a cross or holy water knowledge of events or facts that the victim themselves wouldn't possibly be able to know and then potentially changes to the facial features now there are many other possession stories out there that have documented these kind of things you know and, and you can take it or leave it whether you believe it or not but this does sound very similar to many possession stories I've like read about. Yeah, I mean, this is all stuff I've heard either through just like stories or through uh, film. It's all bad. All oh, it's all it. terrible. It's, it's all bad, like physically, mentally, from any which way you look at it. And not only that, it's the, the ripple effect that it would have on friends, loved ones, just every, right. everyone's caught in the wave. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and according to the Warrens, actually, if they would have waited on contacting a priest or in some indirect way contacting them, maybe like two to three weeks or so, the spirit potentially could have finished that fourth stage, could have completely possessed one of them, harmed them, even killed them, whether it be all of them or one of them. Either way, it's uh, the Warrens were pretty adamant that they were on the edge of something much more sinister. Um, at this point then, kind of coming back to some of the priests that we talked about, the Warrens brought back Father Cook who was the person that reached out to them in the first place. Mm -hmm. 
And that guy was meant to perform an exorcism and replace the evil powers present in that house and in that doll with the power of God. Now, I know, again, I'm going to have a little sidebar here. There are many religions out in the world. I don't want to disparage any of them. But Ed and Lorraine Warren themselves were members of the Roman Catholic Church. So a lot of their investigation, a lot of their viewpoint stems from that corner of the belief world. So after the exorcism was done, Father Cook comes through, wraps it all up, seemed to go off without a hitch. Donna then asks the Warrens to take the doll with them. They're done with it. They don't want to have any more experiences with it. And this is actually where the movie, I think the second or third one, did a pretty decent job at recreating Ed's experience at that point. So Ed was nervous about taking this doll and driving with it because this doll seemed to have inordinate levels of power. God, yeah. I didn't even think about you have to drive with the damn thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to put on a plane. That's risky as hell. Oh, I mean, yeah. Bunch of people's also lives. expensive. Yeah, expensive. And then also, like, you don't want to put it in someone else's hands. We, just evidence, FedEx it. Ev- I mean, evidence <laughs> has gotten lost. Like, that's true. and stuff like oh that. God, Come yeah. on. You can't uh, mail it. You yeah. Know? Oh, that's terrible. Can you imagine you just you you mailed a box and then it gets it gets to your house with a chewed out corner. And they're right. like, sir, did you try to mail a squirrel? Like, no, I put <laughs> a doll just, in there and a, it ate its way out. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't believe that. Yeah. But I mean, if it's a one, if it's a, I mean, Probably a lengthy drive. Yeah, what, where was this, Christian, compared to their Connecticut base, essentially, their home? Forget because if you have to stop and do motel stuff, right? then then that makes you think of Dead Silent? Dead Silence? Oh, right, where the, uh, the, the tooth fairy, essentially, if you speak, no, she comes the, for you. No, kind of. Mary Shaw, the Mary Shaw one with the kids with the dolls. Another doll. Oh, yeah, the marionettes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's the producer of like, or greatest saw. In terms of of concrete facts about locations or how long these people were at the house, anything like that, not really finding anything, unfortunately. But that's, I think that's the issue with most of this story being documented specifically by the Warrens and the rest being just story sharing. Mm hmm. You lose a lot of detail. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is predicated on is right. missing facts and <laughs> lacking information. It can be frustrating, but you know. But no worries. Small, small Dang. details. But to not even uh, the location. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get back into it. So Ed is now driving back. And now you mentioned the motel. And I think that is a, is a really good point because there's no story about stopping at a motel. So I would imagine that it, even if it's a long drive, that it must have been pretty close to the East Coast, uh, based on it being just one drive. It's just, he, he. I also will say to help with the idea of proximity. Right. He didn't use highways because he was so concerned. He only used back roads. Damn. So that would have taken forever. Would have taken longer. But that that lends itself to the thought that I was having, mm-hmm. which you have to approach this from a totally different angle. Right. And, and like mindset. It's not just I got it. I'm going to put it into the car and I'm going to start driving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's probably so many different precautions and prayers and uh, items right. and what gadgets, whatnot. Like the the mindset and the thought process is just radically different than oh, just, yeah. I'm just going to start driving. It is interesting that you, you know, you hear this and you go, this guy is not taking that safety for granted. At least yeah. that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, that's nice. I got this demon doll and i'm not driving on the highway causing right. a final destination situation yeah no, we are a movie podcast movie podcast about, about mysteries. mysteries we've st- un- 
intentionally dropped so many movie names. <laughs> but like, hey, whatever, you know. Movies are based on reality. Let's just that's yeah. that's why. Um, but as his experience goes, right, he's he's sticking to those back roads. Anytime he approached a corner, a turn, a stop, his car would really kind of freak out. The car would swerve. Sometimes it would stall. And essentially the power steering and brakes of the car failed. And so at some point he's like, all right, this thing is, is really trying to get us hurt. He stops the car. He gets out. He takes the doll. And you were joking before, but he essentially drowns this doll in holy water. <laughs> soaks it <laughs> down to the doll bones. That's awesome. Yeah. In order to like really stifle whatever evil right. presence is beholden to this doll. Because yeah. remember... It is permanently in this doll now, thanks to the permission that was given to it. Right. Unless uh, it chooses to leave, I don't know. But hey, at least the experiences with the car getting all mm -hmm. twisty-turvy, that stopped after that moment. I, I feel like, the, I don't know, like, I feel like someone like you, Trevor, mm -hmm. would have experimented so, like, I see you in this situation and like you just having all of these experimental ideas like sure. like crosses stitch into the seats we're talking holy water for yeah. like your uh windshield wiper like just random things that i feel like you would just mess with to see what works and what what sticks and what doesn't like a mad scientist yeah. this thing would be in a <laughs> in one of those hulk cages right so it couldn't <laughs> yeah. bust out but i would get people to poke and prod for me. I was like, all right, you're going to be the permission giver. Get on in there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll sign a form, right? I'll be basically the mad scientist. <laughs> I just want to totally different around. I'm talking about rigging a, a car and this man's like, yeah, starting like the island Dr. Moreau or something like that. You all right, just... I'll start with the car. I'll start with the car. I'll see if this doll can drive. But, you know, I'm going to I'm going to poke around and see if I can yeah. capture some sort of supernatural entity powers on tape. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just see that. Like, or just give it to Area 51 and say, it's your problem. That's now. true. But I mean, like, <laughs> I, I could, it would, it sounds silly, but I can see like someone like yourself or the warrants like experimenting with like putting holy water in like the right. windshield wiper fluid as windshield wiper fluid right. and stuff like that just to see if it does anything or right it, or like, like who's to does say this change anything does right. this make it better make it worse like yeah. let's really get to the bottom mm -hmm. of this or is my mind just simply looking for things to attribute to the doll sure. yeah, it's all good thoughts so drowns the thing in holy water and at that point the interferences seem to stop and so when they got home they brought the doll inside it moved rooms very similarly to how it did back at Donna's apartment. In fact, again, coming back to something you said earlier, the doll was seen levitating a few times until at that moment it seemed to lose strength and then would fall out of the air and collapse. They gave the Annabelle doll her final resting place, as you can now see it in many pictures uh, across Google Images. Uh, it was in their occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut, in a specially built case where she performed one final reported haunting. So the case, I believe, was made with... Now, this is off the top of my head, Christian. I don't know if you can look this up, but I believe that the wood was wood from a church or from church pews, and that the glass was something of the same nature, that it was created... It was essentially to be a holy box to trap this thing so it couldn't touch it, couldn't interfere with it, couldn't escape it. That's pretty... That's pretty awesome. It would need an external party, you or me or someone, to walk up and open it for it to get out, which is why, as you described, there's that warning on the front... Holy God, please do not open this yeah. cage. Um, but 
but that doesn't stop her from interfering with people. And this is a popular story that they've shared with many tourists that have come through. Now, the museum is closed now, but the last I heard is that it's going to move locations somewhere. They, the Warrens did indeed have a, a specially made uh, glass and wood case. Um, on the case, I'm not sure if it's on the glass or the wood, they have inscribed the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. Okay. So it wasn't from like any church items. I was just totally making that up. Not that I'm finding, but... Okay. It, it, that's the thing is like my memory could be clouded by not only the movies, but also, again, fanciful storytelling. So forgive me if I misspoke. Um, but with that said, let's talk about one of the final haunts that is attributed specifically to Annabelle and is stands as a warning to anybody that sees her in real life. It's very interesting, too, because like, how would you know now that the the doll is in the house? Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this is where we're going to discuss like the last haunt. Yeah. How do you know it's not one of the 50 million things you have in your home? That's a good question. <laughs> like it, you let all these things in. So many things. That's always been a question in my mind. Yeah. Who's to say just because these items are possessed and then put in a room that it's not like able to lash out whatever these things are out from that object. But I think it's because, again, as the story goes, that the Warrens would have a priest periodically come through and bless that room almost as a way to nullify the yeah. presence and, and weaken their presence mm -hmm. a little bit. But you're right. I mean, who's to say it isn't something else? Mm -hmm. Or maybe... Maybe, uh, I don't know, the, the, the Goku of the spirit world's out here trying to like, I'm coming from my, you know, I'm going to spirit yeah, bomb spirit this place bomb and trying to and rescue that, all of my evil entities. That's an like, interesting thing. Like, know? who's to say there isn't a demon that can just draw energy mm -hmm. from that room because it's so Or like, different. I'm going to release them or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So the story around this young man, he came to the museum and he wanted to witness what was going on, see the collection of the Warrens. When he got to the Annabelle, case, which is essentially one of their main items. It's kind of a focal point of this room. He started banging on the case, insisting that the doll scratch him in order to prove her power, that he was doubting that there was anything going on here, basically taunting this entity. Ed, of course, asked the young man to leave, and he and his girlfriend rode off on his motorcycle, making jokes and laughing about the doll and how the doll was powerless. Down the road, not too far away, he unfortunately lost control of his motorcycle and swerved into a tree, dying instantly upon impact. His girlfriend, however, survived, but was hospitalized for a year. When she was finally asked about the incident, the only thing she really had to say about it was that the crash happened in the middle of them discussing the Annabelle doll and laughing and making fun of it. And so that stood as essentially the Warrens and Annabelle's final warning to not disparage any of the items in that room, not to make fun of it, not to prod at it. You could take it any way you want, but that is a story that, uh, that actually happened. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I was going to get at. I mean, like, whether or not you believe that that was the cause of the accident, this accident actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I see it as one of two ways. One, you know, Animal got really upset, lashed out. Or two, this is something that was just a freak accident. And the Warrens were like, you know what? Mm -hmm. You know, we believe in this thing. We attribute it to being this thing. And I mean, the girlfriend talking and, you know, discussing about how they're making fun of the doll. And that's when it happened. That's an interesting, like, exact point. But yeah, I think those are the kind of the, the two lanes in my mind of like where this could go. Yeah, I think the only thing, and now now we're kind of like, that's the story now kind of 
wrapped up. And, and this is traditionally Task Force, obviously, when we would discuss the theories as to what's going on here. This one's pretty simple. Is this something that actually happened or is this a hoax of multiple levels or is it a conflation between the two? It's really hard to say, but one thing that does stand out in my mind as I think about this story is that if the doll is now made, air quotes, powerless or trapped by being in this vessel, this case, how was it able to impact this specific person? And if they could do something like that, so such a strong lashings out, how would they not be able to then, if they can, if basically their powers can be external to that case, then really what's the case doing? And why wouldn't the doll continue to go about its deeds? Yeah. And how are multiple people not being hit with this? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I mean, again, I don't want to dive into the many different dispositions as far as the Warrens and their livelihoods and their beliefs and all of that sort of stuff that is a pretty known uh, entity. But um, it's it's hard to say, right? We, especially when there's a business at foot, especially when there's money to be made. Mm -hmm. it, it can make reality a little bit harder to decipher. Yeah. And maybe it gives you inclination to exaggerate a story or create one. True. But either way... I believe this unfortunate accident did happen. However you want to attribute it is up to you. But that is the story of the Annabelle doll. It's so interesting to look at the movie copy versus the, re the real doll, the Raggedy Ann doll, because one is built to look terrifying and the other is built to look friendly. And I don't know which is more creepy. One that looks creepy and acts creepy or one that's supposed to be a friend and then right. strangles you with its mittens. <laughs> you know? I have a, a friend, like a fellow content creator, who mm -hmm. just, they bought one over the past six months. And she just has it in the background. Raggedy Ann doll or a haunted doll? Oh, no, the Annabelle looking doll. Oh, okay. And just has it in the nah. house, various places, <laughs> hanging out. Nah. I'm just like, and then like when they like stream or create content, just in the background of the chair. I'm like, <sighs> why? I mean... <laughs> Why? In, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like a look. That I don't. Do I believe it's gonna get haunted or anything like that? No. But it's scary as how to right. look at. Sure. I mean, in company, in public, fine. <laughs> but ninety nine percent of the time, I mean, if you don't have a person that you're living with or a roommate or whatever, right? You're alone with that thing. True. Your mind wanders. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, just imagine, just like you're done with work, streaming, whatever. Turn off the lights. That thing's sitting in a corner, in a dark corner, just sitting mm. there. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> It needs like a spotlight that's always on Ugh. so that you always see it. Ugh. Well, anyway, if you guys like that, if you found it interesting, hit us up on social at Red Web Pod. We also have TikTok, which is the only one that's different. The Red Web. Uh, let us know what you think. We also have Minute Mysteries over there on, on the TikTok page. We have some animateds over on the YouTube channel. And I know we've been teasing it for quite some time now, but we finally do have a a strong idea of what a Red Web show would look like. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Something is in the works. I don't want to give it a date yet, but it's coming in the next month or two. So be prepared. And of course, Halloween's around the corner, so you oh, know yes. we're going to do another special. So if nothing else, that's a good reason to subscribe to YouTube. We're cooking up a good one. God. Yeah, and uh, what, what do don't mean? send us haunted dolls. What do you mean? God, yeah, we are. Are you excited about a Halloween special? No. Yeah, me either. <laughs> that, that's all that was. I'm dreading he, it. He's yeah. So here's but the thing: no, no, you he, get to like kind of turn your eyes away, and then but, he, then it gets right. thrown on you. 
This man has to steer into the curve. It's and true. He has right. to dive into the fear. <laughs> so I have like, to know what we're getting into. But, right. but he this man has to stare death in the eyes and he, go, okay. He, to, 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 to censor it myself, sucks. he's on my like, I use that as like how terrible something uh -huh, is uh -huh. gauge. Oh, and so like uh, like haunted terrible or just bad idea terrible both <laughs> oh, okay so when this man like when it's like oh you know theme month etc and this yeah. guy goes oh no i go well that doesn't seem like it's going to be something normal <laughs> it won't be <laughs> see? See? see and i was right i don't Ooh, like my instincts man, I'm so, i don't like I my instincts he's clairvoyant i'm telling you <laughs> Oh man, okay. and we're also uh, oh. for all of our in joke lovers. We are definitely cooking up what a sippy cup of knowledge would look like. We're working on your favorite. You asked for it. You wanted it. Squonk plush. That's in the works as well. Uh, so thank we you just, all so much yeah, for showing up. And we need sporting. more. We need more wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, it needs more wrinkles. Can you make it uglier? Yeah, can you make it uglier? Make it sadder. I think there was a. A, a line in a, an important business conversation that said it really needs to sell the pathetic nature from way up top yeah. too. That, that was what made me die laughing I was like man if you could make this thing turn inside out and it looks like a teardrop <laughs> like it melted mm -mm. anyway task force thank you so much that's been red web we got another mystery next Monday as always and uh, go ahead feel free send those haunted dolls over to Christian you can nah, hit us up on. wherever you find Rooster we're, we're Teeth. We're cutting that right out. <laughs> <laughs> that will never make it. Oh, man. But I do want to say before we leave, if you stuck around, thank you um, on this kind of long wind out. Jeff Ramsey from Rooster Teeth and from various other podcasts that we've talked about was, uh, you, you might have heard him from Face, uh, Anma, Annual Pass, Rooster Teeth at large. And when he found out what the mystery was, he started trying to share his anecdote with a different haunted doll. And I was like, oh, was it this? And I showed him the rest of my notes with a photo of this next one. But hey, you know, little tease. If you know him, you know him. Robert the doll. With that said, Fredo, see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. I'll be here next Monday. I won't be here in October. That's because we're going to be out in the field. I knew it. <laughs> out in the field. <laughs> 